The scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Please follow along in your Bible or the worship guide. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. In my conversations with people over the years, I found that one question that's difficult for all of us to answer is, who are you? At any given moment, there are so many answers we can give to that question. We are brothers and sisters. We are moms and dads. We are friends and acquaintances. We are salespersons, doctors, teachers, social workers, counselors, and lawyers. We are lovers and sometimes haters. We are handymen and plumbers. We are gardeners and bakers. We are chauffeurs and riders. We are children and adults. 
We are followers of Christ, and we are prodigals. We are all so very complex. And each of us has so many different dimensions to who we are as people. But if we're going to be known and to know others, we must be willing to share those different parts of ourselves and to get to know the different parts of one another. Likewise, God possesses many different dimensions. And if we're going to grow in our understanding and love for Him, we need to explore the depth and the breadth of the great I Am. The good news this morning is that He has given us this ancient text to reveal to us who He is. And so over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at this ancient text, the Bible. And as we look, we're going to look at different dimensions of God. We're going to look at God as the host. God as the gardener. God as the artist. God as the shepherd. God as the judge. God as the restorer. And then this morning, we're going to look at God as the father. And to help us do this, we're going to be looking at this very familiar text to many of us, the story of the prodigal son. Now, traditionally, when people study this text, they tend to focus solely on the younger son and his journey. But over the recent years with Henry Nouwen's book, Tim Keller's book, many have been able to see that this text is not just about the younger son who was lost, but also the elder son who was lost. And by, while both sons were certainly prodigals, the truth is there is a third prodigal in this story. And that third person often gets overlooked. It is the father. Tim Keller in his book, Prodigal God, says the word prodigal means recklessly extravagant. And in this text, we see that God, the Father, is recklessly extravagant in all the good and holy ways toward both of his sons and toward us. And so as we look at our story this morning, I want us to turn our attention to the Father and I want us to consider four dimensions, four aspects of the Father. The first is generosity. The second is initiative. The third is tenderness and compassion. And the fourth is graciousness. And let me say before we jump into this text, one thing that I've learned in these 16 years of counseling and meeting with different men and women is that so often our relationships with our fathers, our earthly fathers, shape our view of our heavenly father. Now, for some of you, you have incredible dads. And so it's easier for you, as we look at these different aspects, to grasp what well, God is like that because my earthly dad is like that. But for many of us, our dads were imperfect. And so when we look at God, it's much more difficult for us to embrace, to believe that God can be this type of father. 
And for some of us, we didn't even have dads that were involved at all in our lives. And it is a major stretch. And so my hope this morning as we look at this text is that the Holy Spirit will open your hearts, open your minds, and will enable you to see the truth and experience the truth of who your Father is. And so let me pray to that end. Father, we need you, Holy Spirit, to come. Lord, would you help us to shake away any negative views that we have of our earthly fathers and see that you are completely different. Help us to embrace the truth of who you are. And for some that are here this morning that don't have a relationship with you at all, we're so thankful that they have found their way here. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would capture their hearts this morning. And for others of us, like myself, that often struggle with you as a good father, would you give me and us eyes to see and ears to hear. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So if you have your bulletins, you can pull them out or you can look in Luke 15. And the first characteristic, the first dimension of the father that I want us to consider this morning is his generosity. Jesus begins the story saying that there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of the two sons came up to his dad and literally demanded from his dad that he give him his inheritance. Now, back in the ancient Near East, the elder son would have received two-thirds of the father's inheritance, and the younger son would have received one-third. And so, those listening to this story, when they heard that the son came up and said, Dad, give me my inheritance, they probably all gasped. Not just because of the financial burden that would have placed on the family, but more so because the son would have been saying to the father, I wish you were dead. Tim Keller says to ask this while the father still lived was the same as to wish him dead. The younger son was saying essentially that he wants his father's things, but he does not want his father. It was an extremely harsh request. But Jesus gives us this first glimpse of the father's incredible generosity here. When instead of kicking his son to the curb, what does he do? The father immediately agrees to give the son a third of his estate. And while the gift was extravagant, to understand the full extent of his generosity, the word in the Hebrew for property here is bios, which literally means life. You see, in the ancient Near East, <clears throat> the wealth of the father would have primarily been in the land. And in order to get a third of his inheritance, his net worth, the father would have had to sell a third of his land. So you're thinking, okay, I understand that selling a third of the land is a lot. 
But in the ancient Near East, the amount of land that a person owned was directly tied to their identity. The more land you own, the greater stature you had in the community. So for the father to give a third of his land meant that the father was literally freely, generously giving up a part of himself and his standing in the community. It was a huge sacrifice and a mark of incredible generosity on behalf of the father. And while those listening to the story then and for us today are amazed at the father's generosity, as Jesus continues the story, we see that this was only the beginning of the father's generosity. You see, Jesus tells us the younger son, he goes off, he goes to a distant land. He squanders all of his inheritance on prostitutes while living. And then when he opens his wallet, he realizes he doesn't have any more money. He goes to a pig farm, which was anathema for a Jew, even to be around a pig. But he goes and he lives with pigs. And then he begins to think, well, if I could just go back to my father and ask him to let one of the hired men teach me a trade, then I could learn a trade and then I could go into the village and I could make a decent living for myself. Because certainly my father would never take me back. But then what does the father do? When the son comes back. The father who had every right to disown him. He takes off his robe. And he puts it on his son. And in the ancient Near East this literally signifies. You are now my son again. You were once lost, but now you are found. But something I never even considered about this. And one of the reasons why the elder brother was so angry is when the father put his robe on his son, he was literally bringing him back into the family, but he was also saying to that son, son, when I die, you will receive another one third of my property. The extravagant generosity of the father. The anger of the elder brother saying he's already gotten one third and the, our, the property has shrunk. And now you're giving him another third after he wasted that. You see, we see here in this text. Jesus is saying that your heavenly father is generous extravagantly generous. He's willing to give up even his own son so that we might be restored in relationship with him. And so I wonder this morning, no matter how generous or not generous your earthly earthly father has been towards you, Will you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes this morning to see and experience the truth about your heavenly father? Will you receive the gift of his son? Will you trust that he promises to meet every need that you have? He has the resources and he promises to not withhold them from us. Will you be moved by his generosity in such a way 
that you in turn are extravagantly and sacrificially generous to those around you. As we look at Luke 15 this morning, Jesus introduces us to Abba, to Daddy. And He wants us to first know that we have a generous Father. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus also wants us to see that we have a Father who always takes initiative with us. Those of you who are familiar or old enough to remember um, Gary Chapman's five love languages, those five love languages are gifts, acts of kindness, touch, quality time, and verbal affirmation. And while I don't want to disparage or disagree with those, I think they're all true. I think Gary Chapman missed a very important love language. It's important to me, and I think it's important to all of us. And that is initiative. When someone takes initiative with you, especially if it's someone you like, now if it's someone you don't like, that's a, a different story, but if it's someone that you like, you feel pursued and you feel loved. A little secret about me, yes, words of affirmation are one of my love languages. Touch is one of my love languages. But if you really want to care for me, take initiative with me. Carl has been kind of pursuing me and asking me to go to breakfast. Not to get anything from me. Now, that, that's a little bit harder. But just to, to care for me. The Hanners invited me over for dinner. That cares for me. And then likewise for you, if your wife pursues you, you feel cared for. If your husband pursues you, if your kids come to you, not wanting something from you, but just wanting you and taking that initiative. It is a sign of love and care. And the beauty of our Heavenly Father and the beauty of what Jesus teaches us here is that our Father is constantly taking initiative with you and with me and pursuing after us. We see this first with the younger son. As he's on his way back home, Jesus says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father didn't wait for the son to get to the front porch or to walk in the door. Jesus said the father was so excited to see his son off in the distance that he broke with all the social norms. He hiked up his robe and he began to run after his younger son. This is initiative. This is initiating. This is the father. And not only does the father do this with the younger son, we also see in this story, the father doing it with the elder son. The elder son was angry about losing more of his inheritance. He was angry that his father had thrown a, fa- a party for his younger son. And so he, instead of going into the party, which is what he was supposed to do to honor his father and his younger brother, he stays outside. And this really was kind of an affront to the father. But what does the father do? Jesus tells us that he leaves the party and he goes outside and he begins to plead with the elder son. He takes initiative. He pursues after 
the elder son. Jesus says the father broke with the social norms and he came out and he entreated him. He took initiative. He moved toward him and he pleaded with him to come back to the party. He said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And when I think of of this picture of initiative, I couldn't help but think of one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite scenes. It's in the movie, The Color Purple. Celia and Nettie had kind of grown up together as young girls in the deep south in the times of harsh racism. And Nettie is separated from Celia. And so for years, Celie thinks that Nettie is dead. But then she discovers that Nettie had been adopted by this missionary family and taken to Africa. And all these years, Nettie had been writing Celie. But Celie's husband wouldn't let her see the letters. And then she finally discovers them and she begins reading. And then eventually Nettie comes back to the States. Celie has no idea She's sitting up on her porch. There's beautiful purple flowers, a field down below. And she sees a car come in. And the car stops. And she sees this beautiful African woman get out with this long, beautiful gown. And she looks and she sees it as Nettie. And she begins to scream, Nettie! And she runs as fast as she can through the field. And Nettie begins to run to her and she embraces her and she kisses her. And tears flow down both of their faces as they are reunited. This is the Father's heart toward you and toward me. He sees That we're a long way off some days. We're in a distant land. But when he sees us. He doesn't wait up on the porch for us to come. He takes off after you. And he screams your name again and again and again. He pursues after us. God is the God of initiative. That's why every service we begin with what? A call to worship. God taking initiative with us. And so I wonder this morning. Whether you were lost in a distant land like the younger son. Or lost at home here. At the church. Steeped in moralism and religiosity. Do you see in the distance your father running toward you? Do you hear the Holy Spirit calling your name as he moves towards you? Will you open your arms and receive his initiative? He loves you. And he is taking initiative with you 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. Every day he is there. Inviting you to sit down with him. When you have your cup of coffee. 
to talk to Him, to go for a walk with Him. When you're in the car, to turn the radio off and to just be with Him. Will you, will I open our arms and receive our Heavenly Father's initiative this morning? Jesus in this passage is teaching us that we have an incredible Heavenly Father. He's a Father who is extremely generous. He is a Father who is an initiator. And then thirdly, we see that He is a Father who is tender and compassionate. I'm going to be brief because I want to take time to cover the last dimension but I, as I was thinking about this this morning, I'm kind of torn because many of us men in this church, and I've watched you with your kids, you're great at being tender towards your children. And so I applaud you for doing that. But some of us had dads that maybe were tender toward us when we were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But then after we got to about the age of seven, the hugs, the kisses, they stopped. And then as we grew up, we kind of even forgot about those tender times and touches. And then as we think of our Heavenly Father, it's difficult for us to imagine that He would come and, and just give us a kiss on the cheek in the morning and wake us up. Or that He'd wrap His arms around us and hold us. Or that He'd grab our hands and walk with us as we walk down the street. But what, I, what we see in this passage and what Jesus is showing us is that we have a Father that's tender toward us. Whether we're a young little boy or girl, or whether we're 85 and ready to go and be with Him forever. You see, if you look at verse 20, three of my favorite phrases in this story. Jesus says, the father felt compassion toward his son. And then Jesus says, the father embraced him. And then Jesus says, the father kissed him. Our heavenly father is a tender and compassionate God. He is a father who does, doesn't care at all about social norms. He respects our boundaries for sure. But he is willing at any moment, at any time, to express emotion toward us, to touch us, to hold us, to kiss us, to, to hug us. To be tender and compassionate toward us. Henry Nouwen went to live among the mentally challenged at Learching. And as he was there, often he would give a little homily. And at the end of the homily, he'd raise his hands and he would bless those that were gathered. And he writes on this particular occasion, he lifted his hands and he blessed the group there. And someone stood up and said, Father, Will you give me an individual blessing? And Henry's like, sure, I'd be glad to. And so that man ran up to Henry and he was wearing his full garb. 
Henry opened his arms and the man threw himself into Henry's chest and he grabbed him. And he held him. And he prayed a blessing over him. And then the man went back. And then Henry said, much to his amazement, one by one, each of the different folks that were there ran up and said, me too, me too, I want a blessing. And so for the next 45 minutes, Henry was wrapping each of the men and women in his arms and saying a blessing over them. Likewise, your heavenly Father, my heavenly Father, wants to move towards you, to bless you, to be tender and compassionate towards you. And so I wonder this morning, will you let him hold you today? Will you still away sometime in the busyness of today? And just be still and ask your father, can I just put my head on your chest just like John put his head on Jesus' chest and just sit here for a while and hear your heartbeat of love for me today. Little kids are not the only ones who need to be held. We all need to be held. We all need to be loved. We all need God's tenderness and compassion. And Jesus is saying, you have a heavenly father who will run toward you, who will open his arms, who will hug you, who will hold you, and who will kiss you. So in this story, we see that our father is extremely generous. Secondly, we see that our father is an initiator. Thirdly, we see that our heavenly Abba, Daddy, is tender and compassionate. And fourth and lastly, we see that our Father is gracious. It goes without saying that both of these young men, they were lost. The younger son shunned his father and squandered his inheritance on wild living. He sought after what made him happy with absolutely no concern or care for his dad or anyone else. While the elder brother stayed home, but was not able to experience his father's delight because he was too busy following all the rules and feeling self-righteous because he thought he was morally superior to everyone else. One son we can call irreligious and the other was steeped in religion. But both only cared about themselves and had no regard, respect, or desire to be obedient to their father. And yet Jesus says to the shock and amazement of the crowd that listened, that the father, even before the younger son confessed his sin and asked for forgiveness, extended grace to him and forgave him. And even though the elder son never confessed his sin, nor repented of his sin and self-righteousness, the father extended grace and forgiveness to him and invited him to come back into the house. Jesus is teaching us that we have a heavenly father who is gracious 
and offers forgiveness to His beloved sons and daughters. There might be folks here this morning that are in a distant land. You're steeped in some particular sin. And you don't even have a desire for the Father. And yet, hear me when I say that your Father has already forgiven you. All you need to do is receive it. Others of us here this morning are steeped in moralism and religion. That would be me. I love to follow rules. And oftentimes that can take my heart away from the Father. And yet, as prideful as I might be and arrogant as I might be, Jesus is saying in this passage, your Father forgives you. There's nothing, 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 nothing. You could go out and murder ten people today. And if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins. We have a Father who is gracious. We have a Father who is forgiving. And so I wonder this morning, will you confess to Him today? And will you receive His forgiveness? His pardon? His desire to be reconciled with you this morning? This passage is an incredible story. This ancient text that God gave us to reveal to us the truth of who God is has shown us this morning that we have a God who is our Heavenly Father. He is generous. He is an initiator. He is tender and compassionate. And He is gracious. And regardless of how or what your experience was with your earthly father, I pray today that the Holy Spirit would forge in you and your heart and your mind that your heavenly father is perfect and holy and loves you completely. You can call him Abba, which means Daddy. Amen.